0: Tonight's reading is from Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. It's on page 884 of your pew bibles. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, it's uh, great to be, uh, let's put this down here. Great to be together on our Vision Sunday. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do is to see what other churches are doing around the place. So I'll often check out churches' vision, purpose statements, uh, what's the thing that drives them, what's uh, sent them forward. And I came across this church which said some of these things that I, I think I really connected with and identified with. And I think it's something that's on our heart. It goes like this. Our church is more than a building, an organisation, a man or a Sunday. Our church is a group of missionaries, a family of believers, a population of diverse individuals united by a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Then the ministries, services and programmes of our church rely on the body of Christ, individual people working as one for the common goal of glorifying God to serve and sacrifice. Church is not a spectator sport. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, we're told to serve one another with whatever gift each of you have received. And he says, we strive to worship him with every aspect of our lives, as we enjoy our city and its culture, as we laugh and eat good food with friends, as we serve each other, our neighbors and our Lord Jesus. Our church is a group of missionaries, I like that. But where did they get that from? Well, in John chapter 20, we hear these words from Jesus. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and then his sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the sent one Jesus now becomes the sender, commissioning his followers to go as his messengers and representatives, to share his good news, to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God, to let people know that there's a God who loves them deeply and wants a relationship with them. But they would need the power of the Holy Spirit. and We looked at that last week. Remember, we said, take the word praying, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them, uh, to look forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting here in this verse because it says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't come till, till Acts chapter two, right? So it seems to be like an anticipation that uh, look forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And when the Spirit came upon them, they would make disciples of all nations to reveal the glory of God, his salvation. And we as a church, as Matt has reminded us, our vision is to see lives transformed through Jesus Christ of the glory of God. We're called to go to see men and women meet Christ, be changed by Christ, become Christ followers. And in doing that, we we talk at this church, especially there are many of you who are visitors or many of you are new to our church. And we talk about the five M's. And the first one is magnification. Let's just explore each of these briefly tonight. Number one, King David writes, I'll praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. To magnify means to glorify, to honour, to exalt, to showcase his glory, right, when you magnify him. And King David, as one of the followers of God, wants to magnify him with thanksgiving, so you praise God. We've been doing that in our singing. Uh, Psalm 40, may all who seek thee rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. So at the centre of your heart and my heart ought to be a desire to say, God needs to be exalted. God is creator, God is redeemer. It's him that we point people to. Not, we don't point them to ourselves, we don't point them to our gifts, our talents, uh, whatever we happen to, to have, but we point them to him and his exaltation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, Psalm 34 says. Let us exalt his name together. The Old Testament saints, the Old Testament believers knew that they would lift God up. But we know that exalting God is more than simply singing. You can sing all of these songs as we've sung tonight and not magnify God. Because God is interested in your heart. God is interested in your life. God is interested in giving yourself away to God in his service. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says in verse 31, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. When you go to university in a couple of weeks' time, do it to the glory of God and the way in which you treat people or listen uh, to your lecturers. When you're at the football game, do it all to the glory of God. When you hang out with each other afterwards, speak words that bring glory to God and encouragement to your brothers and sisters. You eat, you talk, you go out, whatever you do, you seek his glory. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.20. It is my eager expectation and hope that I shall not... Not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. The context is the Apostle Paul is in prison. He doesn't expect to live maybe for for too much longer. But he says, I want to magnify God by life or by death. By his life, he wants to preach Christ. He wants to live for Christ. He wants to lift up Christ. So we're still alive. I think he's still alive, right? Right? And if we're alive, we're saying, God, use my body, use my speech, use my whatever I have, so people would see how glorious you are. But then even in his death, by life or by death. See, we want to live for the glory of God, but we also want to die for the glory of God. We want to die in such a way as that people think, why are you so confident? Why are you so much at peace? Why is it that you can face your death or your cancer treatment and your final moments and still praise your God? That's what Paul wants to be like. And friends, I remember one fellow when I was uh, uh, encouraging him close to his death. He said, Andrew, I get all these visitors who aren't Christians coming to visit me before I die. He says, it's a great opportunity to tell them about Jesus. He said, have you got any hints, he said, can you train me to be a better evangelist in the last few days of my life? That's someone who wants to magnify Christ by life or by death. And in Matthew 6, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray that, honoured, magnified, glorified. Friends, it's about him, it's not about us. Right at the beginning of our purpose statement is that we magnify God by then doing a number of things. Even in our use of our gifts and talents, the Apostle Peter writes... If anyone speaks, that's what I'm doing now, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, most of you do that, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised and glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Our primary purpose as a church in all we do is to bring glory to God. I love the language of John Piper in his book, one of his books, he says, we waste our lives when we do not pray and think and dream and plan and work toward magnifying God in all spheres of life. God created us for this, to live our lives in a way that makes him look more like the greatness and the beauty and the infinite worth that he really is. That's our ultimate purpose. But how do we do that? Let's have a look at the next four hymns because they describe how we're able to give glory to God. First, membership. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died for our sins uh, as our substitute and sacrificially dying for us. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so as we gather, we acknowledge that Jesus is reigning. He is king. We submit to him as Christian believers here at Noé Baptist Church to his lordship, his kingship. And what happens in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches the gospel, the Bible reading was at the end of that passage, they receive the Holy Spirit. All chaos breaks loose in in Jerusalem. People think they're drunk when they're speaking in in strange tongues and other languages. And then Peter preaches that we're not drunk. It's early in the morning. And he links them to the Old Testament or how God said that this would happen. He preaches 3,000 people, become Christians, and then they were added to their number that day, Acts 2.41. Added to their number. Friends, when you become a Christian, you get added to God's people. There is no solitary Christianity. From time to time, someone will say, well, Ange, that's okay. I have Jesus in my heart and I have my Bible and that's all I need. Nonsense. Let me say categorically, that's nonsense. Because when you receive Jesus, you become part of his body, part of his family, part of his church with the responsibilities and commitments. When they got saved, they were added to their number. They didn't just go away and say, I'll oh, start up, you know, I'll just live for Jesus by myself. They were part of the community. They met regularly, they worshipped Jesus. You see, they repented, they trusted in Christ, they were baptised in water, and they joined the new church. What did they do together? A little bit of what we're doing together tonight. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We have copies of that now in the Bible. To the fellowship. This is building authentic relationships with one another. What we're trying to do here through various ministries and home groups. To the breaking of bread, probably a reference to communion. And this morning we had communion together. And to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Miracles were taking place. All the believers were together, had everything in common. Notice that, it says, wow, we are now part of this new people of God. This is exciting. When you turn up to church every Sunday, you think, wow, I'm part of the people of God. So good to see my brothers and my sisters. And I don't know that brother over there. I might go and say hello to that brother. I don't know that sister over there. I might say hello to them. Wow, they're family. We do life together. We care for one another. We eat together. We're going to eat together next Sunday night. You see, that's the whole idea. They're together. They're a family. They broke bread in their homes. There's hospitality. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. These Christians were not winching at this stage. They had glad and sincere hearts. There was joy from knowing Jesus and enjoying the favour of all the people. And they were so radical in their faith in Jesus and what God was doing amongst them. The outsiders were looking in going, I want what they have. What is it about you guys? What's made the change in your life? How is it that you're so full of life and joy? What is it about Jesus that has changed you? And the Lord kept adding new people, new people. Another person got converted, another person got converted, another person got converted. They live in an authentic community, and God was magnified and glorified. Sadly, that's not always the case in church life. We're human, we make mistakes, we hurt one another, we let each other down. There's a church bulletin blooper which reads like this: Don't let worry kill you, let the church help. Sadly, we say things and we hurt one another. And we do to apologize when that happens. And sometimes the, the church is, I've been in church with major splits. I've been in church where terrible things have happened. And no one wants to go anywhere near the church. We need to live in such a way that we are contagious and we are irresistible. Okay? That people go, I don't want to believe in God, but there's something pulling me to the people of God. Share Christ's love. Teach the word to each other. Pray for each other. Serve one another. Grieve together. Rejoice together. And friends, you know that home groups are key for this in a large church. We pray and study and support one another and inspire each other to ministry and mission. That's why for weeks we say, hey, get into a group, sign up, sign up tonight if you haven't signed up. Meet with some other believers. And one of the hard things about meeting with other believers is, or even coming to a church, is God brings an odd mixture of people, I'm talking about you, brings you together with people you don't necessarily connect with. They're not like your buddies, but they're your brothers and sisters now. And you learn to treat them as your buddies and your good friends and family. Now, some families are family. Not everyone gets on that well with everyone else, but we're still family. We are family. We're the body of Christ with the power of the Spirit of God, with the Word of God in us. Learn to accept each other's differences. Be family together. Over the years, my home group, we've, you know, we've... uh, supported each other through the loss of family members or cooked meals for each other after accidents or celebrated birthdays together and weddings and uh, rejoiced when one of our children got baptised and declared their faith in Jesus. We helped each other through financial difficulties. We've been at some of our our children's weddings. It's doing life together. And uh, to give you an idea of how it works and how we think as leadership here at the church, we talk about welcoming and incorporating new people I'm interested to know if you have come to this church in the last year, can you raise your hand? Hands up, put them up. Yeah? Have a look around. If you've come in the last month, let's have a look, last month, raise your hand. Couple over there, over there, yeah, up the back. Okay. There are always new people coming. And people looking for friendship, looking for connection. And we as a church always need to be on on the lookout. And it works like this in terms of our flowchart, growing pathways. A new person, right? a new person comes to church, you think, well, how did they end up here? You guys can tell us later. How did you end up here rather than another church? Well, it may be a personal relationship with one of the members. You may know someone, maybe a family member brought you, a friend brought you, or someone at uni, say, hey, why don't you come with us? If you're looking for a church, why don't you come with us? You may be a Christian, you may not not be yet a Christian, you're just exploring things. It, you may come some other way. You may have just walked in because uh, through into a worship service. We we'll click the next one, thanks. And uh, you may have Googled us and go, I'm looking for a church. Now we Baptists came up. They seem to have a variety of things. I watched their live stream. I thought I'll drop in. A lot of people have done that recently with the live stream. And maybe you just walk past this church. And uh, people said to me a while ago, they used to drive past this, past this church all, all the time when they used to take their kids to school. I thought, oh, we'll try this one, drop in. And sometimes uh, through an outreach event or groups, or maybe the parents, we've had parents from our playtime ministry, a couple of families started coming uh, because they came to the playtime. I think when you've got a church there, we'll come to church. Maybe uh, kids through uh, youth ministry or craft groups or computer groups, whatever it happens to be. We've had all of those things happen. Maybe an outreach event for men or women or young adults. And if that happens, we need to welcome these people. Right? So if you're here, we want to make sure that you're loved and cared for and... Uh, you, you are valued. And then we sometimes run newcomers events in hospitality. We, we go to the next one. Great. And uh, some morning teas, afternoon teas. Sometimes oh, obviously we'll have suppers together. We'll have a meal together. We get to know people and we describe what's involved. And sometimes people have you over to their homes. You might, young adults will go out for coffee. They go out for dinner and so on. And then, uh, depending on where you're at with Christ, you may do a Christian Explained course, an Alpha course, or Discovering Discipleship course, or maybe you want to do a, a Baptism and Membership class. But the ultimate goal is, from the new person, is to get them into a home group for maturity. We're trying to move people along a process to ensure they don't just turn up to church and really don't know people and aren't connected, but then a connected to a smaller group of people who can care for them now, some people, as you see the arrows there, go straight from, they just turn up and they're Christians, see, yeah, I'm just looking for a church, and they sign up to a home group the first day, right? You don't have to go through all of those, just turn up and you go straight into a home group. That's the case for a lot of people if they've just transferred from another church and they're committed Christians. And then uh, we provide some training and some equipping courses from time to time, ultimately wanting you to be released in a ministry and mission. New person, Who loves Jesus, magnifies him, growing to maturity in the faith, involved in ministry and mission. And you know when you're then, this new person is now involved in ministry and mission, and I've seen that happen with many of you, you come in, I'm new, slowly you get involved, you start then become volunteering as a leader. What happens then? You then, when you do ministry and mission, you find the new people, tell them about Jesus, and then the flowchart begins again, you see. And that's what we're seeking to do to have people come to know Christ. And and the total flowchart there, we have that up there, and uh, with arrows everywhere, but you know what we mean. There's strategy, because if you don't have a strategy, you don't do anything, no one does anything, right? In our minds, how do we help someone go from a a new person, maybe who doesn't even know Jesus at all, become a committed follower of Christ? And that is part of our strategy here at Now We Baptists. And then maturity, we talked about getting into home groups. It is our desire to proclaim him, as Paul says, admonishing, and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect, that means complete, mature in Christ. To this end, Paul says, I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. We want men and women to go deep in God, to really know God, to love him, to know his word, to be moulded by the word of God, not to be moulded by the world, but be transformed by God's word and God's truth. So we preach the word, you study the Bible in home groups, you read it one on, uh, by yourself, maybe you meet with someone one-on-one, maybe you do a Bible college course, maybe you go to a, to a conference at a women's convention or men's convention or something else like that. You read good Christian books and we'll suggest some things because we want you to go deep in God. Friends, at Now We Baptists, we believe that the Holy Scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ through Timothy 3.15. That's why we'll open it. And all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, as well as salvation, useful for teaching the truth, rebuking, that means uh, pulling you up when you're going against God's word and his truth, and then correcting you, showing you the right way to go, and training you in righteousness so that you may be thoroughly thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then fourthly, if you're becoming mature in Christ and you're loving Jesus, you can't help yourself, but you want to serve. And each of us has, the Bible says, at least, and probably a lot more than one, at least one spiritual gift to use for the glory of God. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're given gifts to use to grow the church. Let me give some examples, and you'll have your own. Evangelising, discipling, and baptising a new believer. Some of you have done that. Uh, the joy of seeing children or youth trusting Jesus through our kids and youth programs and SRE, not only using a gift, but you get joy out of that, don't you? When you see someone come to faith, we've had baptisms for our young people up here. Their youth leaders invested time, prayers, energy, and to see them say, I love Jesus now, and I thank my youth leaders, and I thank that convention, I thank my pastor, or whatever it happens to be, for their involvement or conversations develop amongst people as you provide them, uh, say, with morning tea in the morning or doing cheap eats at night. Or serve on our music or tech teams. And these people have worked hard and they've served us tonight. Thank you for doing that. Because you are using your gifts for the common good, the glory of Jesus. Believers grow in their faith as you run a Bible study group. And when you get tired and, and in the middle of winter and you think you're the leader and you don't want to go to Bible study, just remember... Right? What you do has an, a positive impact on those who come. Or the excitement you experience when, as you meet and welcome new people to our church, if you're part of the welcoming or ushering team. Or you're just any Christian, because it's not just the welcoming team that welcomes people, we all welcome people. The thrill of seeing women come to Christ through women's outreach events, or men at men's outreach events. Doing Christianity Explained, maybe with a friend at work and leading them to Christ. Serving on our planned Alpha course, we're, we're hoping to do an Alpha course next term, and we're working on that a newer course, and uh, pray about that. Maybe you'd like to be part of that team. Or serving parents at a playtime group. And last year, they, they talked about going deeper in our playtime, so I invited women from playtime to come and do evangelistic Bible studies with us. We had a number of women last year who came and read the Bible and explored Jesus. What a joy that was or building relationships with people, computer classes or creative craft, inviting friends to prime time trips, corresponding with missionaries on the field, visiting and praying for a sick person in hospital. Many of our older people will go and visit other people who are sick. I went to see someone who's 96 and she's hanging on, she's not going to heaven yet. But there's another believer sitting there just talking to her and praying for her. What a privilege that is. And friends, pastors, teachers and leaders have a special responsibility here. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Our role as we teach the word is to equip you and prepare you so that you step up into ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. People say to me, Angel, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what I should do. What what do you reckon? My normal thing is, what are you passionate about? What's God put on your heart? As you pray and serve, what's the thing that you would naturally gravitate to? It may be that's where you're gifted. You have natural talents, you have spiritual gifts, you have experiences you've been through that other people haven't been through, and God can use all of that. But if you want to think a little bit further We have this questionnaire, we encourage people to do finding your spiritual gifts questionnaire. It's not that complicated, takes you half an hour or so, 135 questions. And you work through that and it sort of points you to a direction where your spiritual gifts seem to be if you're not sure. And that just helps to crystallize exactly where you should be serving. And we're happy to give you one of those, but also encourage you then to sit down with one of the pastors and leaders and say, what do you think about that? Where do you think I should step up into ministry? Where will you serve? You know, I was mentioning at the morning congregation this morning that uh, with the increasing number of families with young children in our congregation at 9 o'clock, it's pretty packed this morning, over 100 children were involved uh, in our kids' ministry, and you know, about 12, 15 teenagers sitting in church. They'll go a block next week. And it's booming in terms of families. Some of the families from the night have moved to the morning. But God keeps bringing new and new, more and more families. And uh, we started a new families group and filled it, filled it up within five minutes. And I said, we need probably, possibly another host home, which will take 15 adults and 15 kids or something like that. It's chaos on Saturday afternoon for Bible study. And someone had said to me afterwards, we've got a house. We haven't signed to a home group yet. We're going away for a month, but we're open to host a group if you need a group. You know what that does for a pastor? Thank you, Jesus. Right? <laughs> you're praying, you're trying to work out. See, I didn't have to pressure them they heard God speak they thought we have a house we're Christian believers we can invite other people into our home to study the Bible together where will you serve in 2024 and finally mission we're going to spend by the way the next seven weeks thinking about the fifth M Uh, more on that over the next seven weeks but as the father sent me I'm sending you Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go to all types of people, see them come to Christ. I was thinking of a few examples I had a uh, few years ago. I had a Muslim man uh, ring me up. He heard me preaching on radio and... um, I said, I want to talk to you. So he came, sat in my office, and um, he tried to convince me to become a, a Muslim. He tried to convince me that Christianity was wrong. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, I don't think you understand Christianity at all. I said, Can I just, as well as you trying to convert me, can I just tell you what a Christian is? Sitting in my office, he, he brought his younger brother. He was a bit nervous about coming in to see a religious guy. And uh, I said, You can try as hard as you can as a Muslim to impress Allah. You can do these things, you can do the, the five things that the Muslims have to do, you can go to Mecca, you can do all these things, give arms to the poor. But are you ever certain that you've done enough for Allah to put you into heaven? I said, the difference with Christianity is this, it's not about how much you do, it's about God's grace. That God stepped into human history in his son Jesus. I know you don't believe that, I said to him. You call that um, blasphemy. But we believe that God so loves us that he became one of us. He suffered for us, he died for us, and he offers us forgiveness and reconciliation as a free gift. He was chasing the truth through Allah and following rules and regulations. He had never heard of grace before. Or a few years ago, a local member of parliament came to visit me, just when we... Society was discussing same-sex marriage and what's the Christian position. And said, Ange, can I come and see you, federal member of parliament? He sat in my office. I said, yeah, happy to talk to you. He said, can you tell me, like, I have to make a decision. So he came to the pastors to say, I've got to make a decision in government. I just want to hear what various people think about these matters and where they get their positions from. He said, a holiday of marriage between a man and a woman, like, is that in the Bible? This guy, he told me he grew up in a Catholic church, and he had to ask me that question. It's a little bit concerning. <laughs> Clearly he didn't go to church very often. And uh, I was able to show him from the Bible how God has created us male and female, marriage between a man and a woman and, and so on. But God loves everyone and everyone is welcome into, into the family and so on. But there he is. He just walks into my office. Now, you probably won't get those opportunities. But friends, those of you at university, you'll be talking to, to your friends about the truth of Jesus. You'll be talking about, is Jesus real? Is he just made up? Is the resurrection real? Does science discredit Christianity? you'll be able to point people to Jesus. But we go not in our, in our own strength, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I made reference last week for those who were here quickly to the way in which, one of the ways in which churches grow. And we talked about firstly, transfer growth. Uh, what we mean by that, uh, people might move into the area. Some of you have transferred maybe from another church, you've come here. Uh, from our church, many people have now moved to other areas. Someone's moved to Tamworth, someone's moved to Wollongong. We failed another woman, farewell another woman this morning to Wununa. Uh Other people may have gone to Menai Baptist. Uh, a few years ago, some of them went to Irwood Baptist. By the way, Billy Tang was made the senior minister of Irwood Baptist today. If you didn't know, he went as an associate. So pray for him. He's now the lead pastor of, of Irwood. And people come and go for different reasons. And some of our women for a couple of years ago have left because some of their friends had sort of moved on and, uh, praise God, they both got married recently. We're watching their photographs on social media. See, people can't come and go for all types of reasons, right? But people move. Sometimes they move because our church has kids' ministry or we have a youth group or we, have some, or we teach the Bible well, whatever it happens to be. They transfer out, transfer in. Uh, statisticians tell us every year you have about 10% of your people leave. So you need to, if you want to maintain even your ministry, you need to at least reach another 10%. If you want to grow, you need to be reaching more people to multiply your impact. Then there's biological growth. And uh, by that we mean we have families who have children. I said to the morning congregation, keep having children. (laughs) You know, and you have more children. That's what we mean. They grow up within the church. But don't discount that, right? Because there's no guarantee these children who grow up in Christian families are going to be Christians. you got to love them and pray for them. You know, I was joking with them this morning, you know, just have more and more babies, and I said, it's not just so our numbers go up, because every child, there are, I think, six pregnant women that I know of at the moment, every child is a special creation of God, deeply loved by the God of the universe. And Jesus died for every child in the womb. And so they're they're important. So we want to pray that they would grow up, but we talk about biological growth, so they, they grow up through the church. A lot of churches are dying because there's no one in there to have kids to grow. Everyone's now an average age of 70. You can't grow a church at the average age of 70, right? They just have to die. You bury them, but there's no one else coming through. And then there's conversion growth. Conversion means that we're trying to reach people who don't have a natural association with the church, they haven't grown up in the church, maybe atheists, agnostics, or maybe um, you know, they were baptized as a baby in some church and really haven't been back except for the odd wedding or so. We're trying to reach complete outsiders. And um, I mean, I came to faith in that sense. I was religious, but I didn't know Jesus. And someone told me about Jesus and I came to faith. And so one of the courses we want to do next term is the the Alpha course, using their film series and uh, trying to build a prayerful team to work and maybe invite friends, family, neighbours to come along to that. And uh, Just a couple of comments that we also need to fund the mission here at Naui Baptist. It takes sacrificial giving to fund the mission. Someone said to me, where do you guys get the money to do everything you do? Does the government give you money? No, the government doesn't give us money. And if you're new here, you don't know how it works. All the money that we raise to do all the mission to pay the salaries of the staff, to support our missionaries, to pay back our loans, to do these building projects, to pay the electricity bills, uh, to fund local ministries, to pay insurances, to maintain our two manses, and to give to the Baptist Association to help in its work, it all comes from members of the church. It comes from the people in the congregation. So four congregations, People pray what they ought to give, and they give. Now, offering, weekly offering target this year is 23311 I said that to one of my uncles once. He went, what are you doing? You guys, you guys are rich. He said, where do you get all that money? Because in my church, we throw you know, the odd coin, $2, $1, $3. How do you make that much money? I said, because our people are committed to giving a portion, a percentage of their income towards the work of the gospel. For some of us, it's 10%. Some give 5% or something else. You work out how much you're going to give to God's work. And this year's a 6.5% increase on last year. But as well as that, we also need extra 42000 towards the property development. I want to say thank you, church, because you, the church has given, in the last year, $512,000 towards the property development. we start like to borrow $1.3 but members of this church who are committed to funding the mission. It doesn't happen unless we fund it. Friends, the Bible says to excel in this grace of giving. So we urge you to consider what you might give. You may not know, but this year is 70 years since this church started. In 1954, after two years of meeting as a fellowship this church became what they call a constituted church with a constitution, an official church. This year, 70 years. For 70 years, men and women have come, followed Jesus, sent missionaries out, preached the gospel, reach out into the schools and into the universities to bring glory to Jesus. And let me say, at this moment, on February the 4th, 2024, We are in a position to say we're going to continue that ministry. We're going to continue living for the glory of Jesus. We're going to continue praying, serving, giving that God would be glorified. What a great privilege that is. We follow in the footsteps of others. We are called to go with a message of salvation and transformation. Magnification, we seek the glory of God. Membership, we want to engage in authentic community. To grow to maturity, Christ like living. Involving ministry, serving each other, and mission, reaching the world with God's love. May God help us as we do that. Let me pray. Lord God, as we have stopped tonight, as we have stopped all day in all of our services to to refocus, to recommit. Lord, we thank you for the chance to stop and to think. We thank you, God, for the reminder that we are loved by you, the God of the universe, that we are saved by grace. We're saved by the sacrificial death of Jesus. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who gives us spiritual gifts and spiritual power to do your work. God, we ask that you would do your work amongst us, that the gospel would be irresistible, that people will ask us questions about our faith, that people will walk into our worship services, into our kids' ministry, into our youth ministry, into our craft groups, into our playtime groups into our alpha course, whatever you you have us run and hear about Jesus. And God, as we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever we go, school, work, university, play, restaurants, cafes, wherever we are, Lord, we ask that you would make us spiritually alert, available and ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. God, we commit ourselves to you. We surrender to you. We submit to you tonight and ask that you would do your work in and through us for the glory of your name. Amen.